never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Video Nasty's podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. David Cronenberg came pretty much straight off the back of his surprise hit Shivers with this film from 1977, Rabbit. You can kind of see um, how that's happened. Uh, well, a because Shivers was, was, was popular and uh, did well on the on the scene, but also because um, you can see in terms of how the narratively the two films kind of sort of link up they both involve uh, sex in a way in one case the uh, the disease is passed through physical sexual content it's a, a zombie film mixed with a, a, a you know an std and in rabid um it's the main character played by marilyn chambers um uses her femininity and her, her sexuality to um, pass on, well, to feed, which then passes on a disease that creates um, violent, mindless, zombie-like characters. The film toys with our expectations of, uh, of sex, of uh, violence, and um, of women. And it does it for... Uh, Various means, but a key bit of casting. A decision that was made, not by the filmmaker, David Cronenberg, but uh, actually by his producer. And that is to cast somebody who has become famous from pornography uh, in the lead role. That's Marilyn Chambers. Something's happened to Rose. As any citizen in the streets can tell you, martial law has come to Montreal. Uh, Shooting down the victims is as good a way of handling them as, as we have got. Stop! Stop or I'll shoot! Trust your mother, your best friend, 
the neighbor next door. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabid. Pray it doesn't happen to you. Rabid. So, <clears throat> written and directed by David Cronenberg, Canadian filmmaker. Very obviously, it's Cronenberg. You probably certainly know who he is. We'll, we'll touch on his, his career up to this point in a second. It stars uh, Chambers as a woman called Rose, who is injured in a motorcycle accident and undergoes uh, radical technical plastic surgery. And as part of it, develops a strange uh, hole under her armpit. It's uh, an opening to a uh, stinger, like a little kind of a need, like a human needle, which is used to feed on other people's blood. But when she feeds on them, they become infected. And even though she initially starts out in the, the middle of nowhere, um, it spreads out through the Quebec countryside and ends actually up in Montreal. All the time, Rose, oblivious to the impact she's making on society, continues to feed on people in various locations and you know, make the situation even worse. So Cronenberg apparently had always actually wanted Sissy Spacek uh, in the role and that she um, had agreed to it. This is before she uh, had done Carrie, so it became quite a face in horror. But the studio were torpedoed the idea because they were concerned about her accents and how she looked. Carrie obviously goes on to become a massive hit and indeed the film poster is visible um, in the one of the movie theatres when the characters walk past. The idea came from executive producer Ivan Rittman. That Ivan Rittman, the guy who um, went on to make Ghostbusters. Chambers apparently had been looking for a mainstream movie. And Rittman thought that he, he'd make the film easier to market if a well-known, you know, a star, effectively, even a one in, from, uh, although, to be fair, a quite artsy pornography, but pornography was, was uh, cast. Cronenberg always spoke highly of, uh, of her performance and the work rate that she did. Chambers herself um, was actually brought up and raised in Connecticut. Um, was uh, got some work as a model and a small role in the film The Owl and the Pussycat from 1970, which is a romantic comedy. And uh, got a job as uh, working as the ivory soap girl in a soap box, you know, the like a you know very like 1670s idea of it, Martin. She ended up working in uh, San Francisco but struggled uh, to make any cash uh, because it's San Francisco, not LA. Um, and saw um, a casting call in the local newspaper for a, um audition for a major motion picture, which in fairness, Beyond the Green Door was. It was also a pornographic movie, though. She comes in, realises what it, what it is and panics. Decides to leave. Anyway, the Mitchell uh, brothers, Jim and Artie, who are making the film, spot her in the crowd. See that she, you know, she looks a bit like Sybil Shepherd and would probably be a good fit for the film. Takes her to one side and try and sells her the story and the idea 
of the film. She agrees, but is uh, but her demands are quite high, including ten percent take on um, the uh, profits of the movie. They agree randomly, rather than looking for a different girl because he thinks she's going to be so perfect for it. And um, the film is a major success. So Beyond the Green Door is a um, itself from nineteen seventy two, and. Um, about a socialite who kind of goes to a sex gets kidnapped, thinks to a sex club, and has lots of sexual awakenings in that in the time there. It looks better than you think it would, and it made fifty million dollars at the box office from a sixty thousand dollar budget, and it kind of launched this porno chic boom along with uh, Deep Throat and what was now referred to as the uh, the golden age of porn. So. Um, it makes her incredibly famous, um, surprisingly so, but obviously kind of locks her into various um, slightly more, you know, uh, hardcore, shall we say, roles, rather than, you know, the mainstream uh, opportunities that she'd hoped for. Rabbit offered an opportunity to kind of um, step away from this kind of, this kind of live, a different kind of limelight, and, uh, you know, kind of utilise her her fame in a different way. I'm forced to talk about that bit about the uh, the Ivory Snow Soap Girl. Um, she was still in contract with them when the film came out, so once they found that out, and it was marketed as that as well, um, they unsurprisingly maybe uh, cancelled the contract, and there was kind of a scandal about it. But you know, you can't uh, can't stop the world for prudishness, can you? The film sort of plays on Chambers as um, either through uh, design or just because of the, the different elements on the idea of her being a porn star. There are numerous times in the film when she kind of is in a situation which feels kind of like an intro to a porn film. I mean, it's not like a plumber comes around, but if she gets picked up as a hitchhiker, she... Uh, she approaches a woman in a in a in a small swimming pool. It's quite clear what's on her mind. She um, even picks somebody up in a a porno cinema. Obviously, uh, which in itself would kind of you know it almost feeds back into you know it's almost like a, it's a fantasy, isn't it? You're you're in a porn cinema, and uh, you know somebody's not only somebody up for it, but it'd be Marilyn Chambers. So there's all this kind of uh, sexual fantasy play at work. But at the end of the day, obviously, what happens is not a sexual penetration, but her penetrating the per- the the other person with this stabby device which uh, which pierces the skin and sucks the, the, the person's blood as that's her means of staying alive now and then obviously passes on this uh, this rabidness to the to the person that she's attacked so it plays on a fear of penetration of um, sexual assault of, uh, it, 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 it's horror Starts off from a you know kind of a traditional fantasy kind of role play development, and then becomes becomes very quickly into violence, uncontrollable violence as somebody's then attacked. 
Cronenberg also um, uses, um, well, he has a bit of a, a magic uh, ball at this stage in terms of, you know, well, magic ball, the, the, the fortune talent kind of skill in the at the moment because what he does is he um, he's able to uh, well there's a moment in the early doors when you know they're going to do this experimental surgery before that before the crash that causes it um, they discuss kind of you know, they don't want to be like the Colonel Sanders of uh, plastic surgery and of course you know the the idea of Surgery and plastic surgery, whether that be lip fillers and all that kind of thing, being something you can just go and do on a Saturday afternoon, is more prevalent now. And indeed, there's um, these ideas of of quick fix surgeries and and um, an augmentation, plastic augmentation to people's bodies, is seen far more as a something that is available to everybody if you've got a little bit of money obviously it's not on the NHS as such but you know it's it's it's, it's something that uh, and also has changed how we see beauty as well as a society all that's kind of hinted on and alluded to in a conversation early doors when they're all discussing whether you know they want to be a franchisee public uh, plastic surgery at all but it's quite clear that they are willing to take more risks than others because obviously this very experimental surgery which uh, turns um, a screen graft that turns uh, James's character Rose into this kind of blood-sucking character. The film itself has elements which are now seen as kind of Cronenbergian, uh, I suppose you could say. Um People talk about this period of time being quite cold. Um, indeed, there is a, a, a degree of a brutalism in how he shoots the film. Um, so the uh, the buildings are quite concretey, concretey uh, office buildings. Um, they are, you know, cold buildings as such, because and that is done because um, you know, as part of a certain aesthetic. As a filmmaker, he adds a documentary-style realism to his work, which we've spoken about before. That's partly down to how it is sound, the sound's done and the way it's, it's shot. But also, um, you know, he lets scenes kind of play out quite quite long. Um, not a lot of, you know, camera movement. That decision-making process... Uh, does kind of get this idea that his movies are by their nature quite um, quite cold. Uh, certainly with Shivers, that was almost a deliberate decision, and you know you see the, the brutalist kind of tower block elements. With Rabbit, um, as his canvas has expanded, he does kind of anchor back with uh, different scenes of, uh, of, of 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 romance and of, of sadness. Rose uh, frequently. Um, refers back to her boyfriend Hart who is a gentleman who himself is concerned about the future their own lives and what all this means it has some quite touching moments and also quite some quite sad moments as well uh, and obviously you know the, the, the tragedy of, of Rose's predicament becomes more astute and, um, and Hart is, the, is, is it comes with the audience to kind of add additional um, pain to that kind of you know her discoveries in terms of what has she become 
at the same time the film does indeed have elements of coldness about it is set at winter the uh, the buildings as we've said are, are concrete the the a lot of the rooms are either quite bare or whites and creams and medical unlike shivers though which is a one location movie this is uh, able to expand its canvas as um Cronenberg is uh, decides to, to do more and indeed some of the shots look great in the city especially later on in the final bits with the, 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 the bin bin lorry uh, it's uh, you know it adds scope and realism to a quite terrifying situation it also scrutinizes its uh, its cast of characters so there's lots of people in there who uh, you know, are in the subway, and they, it's kind of you know they, they're almost like uh, you know d- there's not a lot of humanity in those moments. And then obviously the out- uh, you know an outbreak will happen, somebody's attacked, and then the uh, the explosion of, of violence in there, and, and then is 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 more pronounced because of the calmness and the coldness that led before it. As we said, um, Cronenberg is able to expand his canvas um, mainly through um, ambition, I think, rather than budget. He still didn't have a huge amount of money. But what he was able to do was um, obviously feel that he was, you know, going to the cities, create more grander uh, scenes of violence and um, of, uh, of scope. And that plays out. And indeed, you know, this is a. F- you know, only three years off um, Scanners, which is a far more, you know, uh, accomplished and, and grand and, and big film, um, which we'll get on to. Actually, we're going to cover that in the future. So Cronenberg, obviously a, uh, a creator of body horror, um, one of the main exponents of it. Um, well, as you say, we'll talk about scanners and videodrome that kind of really kind of well, we'll talk about scanners, not videodrome, but which really kind of show the growth of the genre. He was born in Toronto, anyway, in um, 1943, and um, he's created a couple of um, short art house films called uh, Stereo and Crimes of the Future and went on to partnership with uh, Ivan Reitman who goes on himself to uh, to create Ghostbusters and um, although his fame at this point comes from Shivers as that, that breakthrough hit but he also made other films as well so Fast Company which is uh, another one of interest with car racing and bike gangs and uh, Rabbit is really a, a kind of a breakthrough uh, movie for him Provide, showing that he's got an international audience and possibly in part because he's got Marilyn Chambers in it but uh, what that does is um, put him on a stronger foot which then leads to these bigger more avant-garde and interesting films Scanners and um, Videodrome but before that he does another film called The Brood and obviously, you know, we know all we all know. He goes on to make, you know, The Fly, and then more interesting films as well, like Naked Lunch and Crash, um, and continues to work to this day. Um, 
So if we look at Rabbit, it it's clever. It plays with your ideas in terms of sex. It um it shows Cronenberg uh, growing as a filmmaker. He's not the the man he will be. But these early films uh, do show a, a, a filmmaker with you know a lot going on in his head. <laughs> it shares themes collectively with that. With, like you could you could box set it really, couldn't you? With this, the bruise and shivers, um, of, you know, of similar kind of, of, of themes as well. And um, although you know, possibly not his best film, does sit as a as a point of interest in his career, and um, certainly uh, a point of interest for Marilyn Chambers as well, who, who shows a diversity in the, in, the, in, the, in her acting, and. Um, And then, you know, it's good. She, she's good in it. The film's entertaining. And um, it seems strange now to kind of look back on it. So there's a fantastic, you know, we were saying, I was talking about that scene in the porn cinema. And um, there's a lad who's, who's obviously who's, who's put on a three piece suit to go there. And uh, <laughs> I just, you know, he obviously looks that sleazy because he is quite sleazy. Um, but it, it's such an interesting kind of, you know, you. There's so many things there that just wouldn't exist now, <laughs> including the type of man who would wear a three-piece suit to a porn cinema. I think, to finish off, though, what is interesting is, and we spoke about Sleazy just then, the film does have a quite, you know, slightly slightly sleazy air to it, but there's no sex in it, really. There's no, uh, there's no nudity, really, that I can remember. There's no nudity in it. Really, you know, there's violence, but that's kind of it. And I think that's testament to what Cronenberg's been was able to do. He kind of, you know, he plays with the um, expectations and concepts of the audience of what this film should be, and does it in such a way that um, they are confused and powerfully controlled. But who is, a, even at this early stage in his career, a master in um, making you feel a bit icky? As for Marilyn Chambers, um, she spent a lot of time kind of trying to break away from her image as a porn star. She actually didn't get a job uh, as, a, in, as an actress in, in the film Hardcore because she didn't look too enough like a porn star. Uh, and various bits and bobs happened and then fell away. So, But she did work in the theatre in Vegas and um, even had a singing career at point, one point as well with a chart success with a disco single. Benny Hanna in 76, which actually appears on the, on the jukeboxes in, in, the, in the film. However, in the end... She returned back to porn and uh, 1980s Insatiable. When she finally left pornography because of, in, in, the, in the middle of the AIDS epidemic, she uh, then went back and kind of appeared primarily in independent films and interesting movies. So, although she didn't able, wasn't able to break into mainstream to be a star, uh, Marilyn Chambers in the end did in fact um, move away from porn. And... Uh, get some interesting roles.
1972, Gloria Saunders, wealthy San Francisco socialite, was kidnapped. She was held captive. And behind the infamous green door, she was made to perform the most bizarre sexual experiment ever conceived in the twisted mind of man. Portraying Gloria Saunders is Marilyn Chambers, George MacDonald, the midnight cowboy of porno flicks. Johnny Keyes, black stud. Toad Attell, the female elf. Featured as bouncer of the Green Door nightclub, is the 260-pound giant of the Oakland Raider football team, Ben Davidson. And the remaining players give depth and strength to their characterizations. And finally, to the North Beach lair of San Francisco's most degenerate society. It was here that Gloria Saunders' performance pulled those switches and the dark places. As Arthur Knight of the Saturday Review sums up, behind the green door, it is sex as ritual, sex as fantasy, sex as it could be only in the movie. Don't miss behind the green door. Anyway, um, thanks very much for listening. If you want to get hold of me, please do my email. My email address is videonastypodcast at gmail.com. You can get me at Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey or go to the website videonastypodcast.com and leave a message and I will get back to you, I'm sure. Next week, we're going into a bit of a violent uh, revenge uh, home invasion territory with a scream for vengeance from uh, 1980. So, until then, take care. I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film